This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Greg Kelly Show. Lots of buzz, lots of talk. In the worst possible way, actually. Ewick Adams <laughs> humiliated himself and the city on, uh, what was he on? Pix 11. Pix 11. The morning show over there at Pix 11. I've been on, uh, I was on morning TV for how long in New York City? Nine years. I could never figure out who was hosting uh, <laughs> Pix 11 in the morning. Uh, I still can't. I still can't. These morning shows, uh, they're not the same. They're not as iconic. Let's face it, there can be only one duo that dominates in the morning. And I'm not talking about Katie and Matt. I'm talking about Greg and Rosanna. Those were the days, huh? Um, but now whoever is on Channel 11, he's a nice guy. I just can't think of his name right now. Was entering, interviewing Ewick Adams. I only saw a portion of this and I rolled my eyes because he, he botches it right off the bat. And then I turned it off. But I'm told it gets a lot worse and even more amusing. I told you guys this guy had zero ability, zero intellect, zero ability, zero uh, integrity, bad at politics, bad at governing, and he lived in New Jersey. But on the last day of school uh, with our uh, rigged scam system and that ranked choice voting that nobody understands, Ewick becomes the mayor of this once great city. All right. Well, shall we? Picks 11 Featuring Ewick Adams just this morning. Mr. Mayor, we've come to the end of what was a very eventful 2023, right? <laughs> so when you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it, and it's tough to do, in one word, what would that word be? And tell me why. Uh, New York. Uh, this is a place where every day you wake up. Stop! Um, <laughs> all right. You see what I mean about the vibe? Tell us one word to sum it all up. New York. Okay, that's where you are. And it's two words. All right? doesn't... Doesn't sum up the chaotic, uh, broken state we are in. All right. Criminals running all over the place. Abandoned shops. You got to ask two security guards and the clerk to buy toothpaste at the drugstore. All right. Come on. All right. That's just a taste. Keep going. Experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center to a a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. Uh, This is a very, very complicated city, and that's why it's the greatest city on the globe. On the globe? That's it? All right, there's there's more from there, all right? Talks about the budget, and then when he starts talking about the budget, you realize how way uh, over his head he is. He just does not understand these things. He has no business uh, being in this position. But 200,000 people voted for him on the last day of school, so there he is. wants to talk about the the situation in the city right now, and he talks about 9-11 and somebody opening a new business. That's very complex, isn't it? Uh, No, I can get my hand around that. I can get my, 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 my head around that, something that happened in 2001. And something that used to happen a lot more, people opening businesses. People are closing businesses. People are getting out of this city. 
You know, from time to time, I'm reminded what a degenerate this guy is. And from time to time, I think, you know what? Maybe I should. Maybe I should run. And maybe I will. Maybe I will. Because as his administration in this city, in a total free fall, I have not seen any good, not that I'm a Democrat, but you would think that they'd be lining up to run against this guy. Uh, Not really. And one of the big reasons why you don't have big-name Democrats or big-name people other than Curtis, and we love Curtis, and uh, he could do it. But on the other side, uh, because of the, what's it? what does he say? Oh, his protection is his complexion. Everything, everything, everything in America is about race, identity politics. And you know what? For, for, for half the country, at least. For the rest of us, we don't give a damn. All right, we're too busy. We're too busy. And there are too many other interesting things to worry about and look at and actually experience and enjoy and like. I can't, uh, gosh, this, um, the identity thing. Did you see that guy who was having sex in the Senate chamber? A guy who was, uh, (laughs) you saw that, right? Well, he's running around. He's saying he's a victim for taking the porno video in the House Judiciary Committee. He's a victim because he's LGBTQ. I guess he's G, right? And maybe T, I don't know, but he's definitely G and whatever, but he took a video of himself and he put it on the Internet and um, he's surprised he got fired. But here's the thing about that. For all the talk about LGBTQ and for all the people who are identifying themselves through their sexuality, right? It's all about who they want to go to bed with or who they're having sex with. All about that. You see how worthless that is because I will never – I could live to be 100. I'm probably never going to see other people have sex who I'm not married to or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I'm looking outside right now. I see 50 people walking down the street. All of them were created via a sex act. Think back. How many times in your life have you seen other people have sex? It's something that happens in private, right? It's everybody does it. So therefore, it's worthless in a way. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, right? And if it's done right, it can be a heck of a lot of fun. But it's kind of worthless in terms of you can't, you can't contribute, you can't profit, you can't. People are doing what they do behind closed doors, and you can't. I was going down the street one day, and I, I looked at everybody. I had the same observation. Well, everybody was created by a sex act. I thought back in my life, how many times have I seen people have sex where I was not involved? <laughs> And the answer was, uh, I think, once or twice. Once I was walking my dog in Garden City, New York, at night in the double-day publishing house parking lot where I used to bring Spike all the time. And there were two people going at it in the back of a car. Oh, and then about 10 years ago, Again in Garden City, I'm walking down the street, and there are two people going at it in the back of the car. I couldn't see much. It was at night. Now, people are understandably, you know, they want to um, they want to do those things in private. But LGBTQ is all about taking it public. You're taking, okay, I do this behind closed doors, just so you know. This is what I do. Okay, it's what you do, but it's not who you are. Because you can do, I mean, even the most, even the most uh, rambunctious of us, even the most uh, virile, even the most randy, even the most whatever you want to call it, you can only do that so much. And LGBTQ whatever is is everywhere all the time. 
and and so is I guess well all this crazy stew has brought us to where we are and nothing makes sense anymore. I was watching the funeral of Sandra Day O'Connor on MSNBC and CNN. They took the entire funeral live. They I, are they done yet? Yeah, they're done. They okay, they finished it, right? The entire funeral. I mean, I heard the eulogy from the grandson, I heard the eulogy from the son, I heard the eulogy from Joe Biden. Apparently Sandra Day O'Connor wanted Joe Biden to eulogize her. And it's all nonstop. It's all on live television. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, but mm, didn't she retire from the court like 20 years ago? Yeah, she did. She she retired actually in 20, 2005. Okay. Uh, she was 91, right? It's not like she was. her life was cut short. She wasn't on the Supreme Court. She wasn't run over by a train. She died in her sleep at 91. What a beautiful way to go. Why are they um, going over the top with this? And then I, I had a feeling, you know, look, she was appointed by Reagan. I assume she was conservative. But maybe she was more like an Anthony Kennedy. Maybe she was more like a John Roberts. She certainly wasn't a Scalia. I just knew it intuitively. She wasn't like Alito. And I kind of knew that from, I just kind of knew that. And I looked it up and sure enough, she was known from time to time to side with liberals in some of the most crucial cases. And that's why they were going bananas. And I looked it up. There's Joe Biden at the funeral talking, of course, about himself, how he was involved in her confirmation in 1981. And he was the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, Senate Judiciary Committee, whatever. And all these anecdotes about Joe. I said, if he brings up Bo, I am going to lose it. But he didn't. Uh, And, uh, oh, yeah. And then Scalia. Scalia dies. I remember that was only uh, six, seven years ago. And he was on the court at the time, right? He was a sitting member of the court. And he dies. First of all, they come out with, oh, my goodness gracious, he died on a ranch. And uh, they tried to investigate his death as if he was doing something that he shouldn't be doing right up. Oh, give me a break. He died alone in bed. Well, what was he doing alone? Uh, what? Why was he there alone? There was that whole thing. And it wasn't carried live on the on the big stations or anything like that. Anthony Scalia died uh, today, died three days ago, and his funeral will be held today. And Barack Obama will not be in attendance. Yeah. The president of the United States did not go to a sitting Supreme Court justices. Well, he died, but... You know, right up until the point he died. Barack Obama. Scalia. What's up with the what's up with the president skipping the funeral and just saying see ya? Scalia, see ya. He just blew it off. And because he's conservative, because nothing is straightforward, because there's a weird, perverted dance going on in America. It used to be straightforward. You know, right was right, good was good, bad was bad. We knew right from wrong. We knew that sexuality shouldn't be foisted upon children in school. We knew that America was a great superpower. We knew that communism was wrong. We knew these things. We knew it. And life was still complicated. Life was still plenty challenging. Now what the hell do we know? Everything seems to be up in the air, up for grabs, um, depends on the moment, interpretation, and the unspoken rules. There are all kinds of unspoken rules, kind of like in Russia. You know, Russia had all these rules that they did not follow. I'm talking about under communism. It was an entirely kind of opaque, weird system that they had, but they had these uh, these customs that only communists knew about 
some things you could say, some things you couldn't say, and some things you really can't say. And we have the same thing going on right here. For instance, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, that's in Florida, right? That's where that horrible mass shooting took place a couple of years ago. Well, it's back in the news because a horrific beating of a student was caught on videotape. What isn't caught on videotape? Um, Five students beat somebody nearly to death, and he may still die. And I'm watching, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. This is absolutely horrible. What could have what could have sparked this? Nobody, what is it about? What, what do you fight about in school that's this intense? The prom? I don't know. I mean, we, I, I don't remember really much of any fights when I was in, in school. Hardly ever. And once or twice in the entire time I was in school. Now it's happening all the time, and people break out their cameras. So... I noticed that, oh, wait a second, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, there was a racial component to all of this because the victim is white and the perpetrators, the alleged perpetrators, are all people of color. I'm pretty sure they're black. Now, why is it that race is not mentioned? I'm 1,500 miles away. I see 16 reports on this thing all over the news. And everybody who watches the news sees what anybody can see with their own two eyes, that the victim is white and the assailants are, are of color, and yet we're not, it's not to be mentioned because that's a custom. That's an unspoken rule. You don't do it. You don't go there. Now, <laughs> if the victim is black and there are five white assailants, of course, this is a manifestation of white supremacy, systemic racism, the patriarchy, and everything must be done, and we'll have uh, we'll have vigils. We'll have uh, uh, Joe Biden might even show up and talk about it. I mean, and it's just because it's like a nuanced thing, and people understand it from the get go. They kind of understand it. They just understand it. Everybody in the news. I'm not talking regular people don't understand it. I mean, we can understand it. We can get our head around it, but it makes no sense at the same time. <sighs> Does it bother you like it bothers me? You know, I saw at the funeral today for Sandra Day O'Connor, a couple of people sitting in the audience, I saw Kavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh. Remember what they put that guy through? Some crazy lady, Christine Blasey Ford, with those goofy glasses and the disheveled hair, kind of looked like Dana Carvey, shows up without a shred of evidence, not one, not one ounce of evidence, nothing to corroborate her story, nothing, zero. Her friends who say, who she said were there, don't remember anything about it. Nothing. She can never even place herself in the same room as Kavanaugh. Whether he's 17 or 47 or 57, she can't do it. There's nothing there. No evidence. Just her word. We stopped the whole damn country and listened to her for how long? How long do those hearings go on? Right? And then Tara Reed. Tara Reed. You know who she is? Probably not. She accused Joe Biden of sexual assault and the assault that she accused him of far worse than what uh, Blasey Ford said that Kavanaugh did to her. And she had all kinds of evidence. She worked for Joe Biden. I saw her identification certificate. Her mother uh, called the police and called Larry King live. It's on television. All kinds of evidence. The highest she got, the highest was on a podcast, was on a pod. And that's it. See what I mean about the un the unwritten rules? Well, of course. Of course. 
She was targeting a Democrat. We have to protect those. Sometimes they're very, very simple. They're still corrupt. Be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. Greg Kelly. This is the Greg Kelly Show. Mr. Mayor, we've come to the end of what was a very eventful 2023, right? <laughs> so when you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it, and it's tough to do, in one word, what would that word be, and tell me why? Uh, New York. Uh, this is a place where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center to a, a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. Uh, this is a very, very complicated city, and that's why it's the greatest city on the globe. <laughs> okay, I had to hear it again. Wow. Hey, you never know what's going to happen in New York. What an exciting city. You can open a business or you can be the victim of a terrorist attack, right? Hey, that's New York. Two words, New York. And you never know what's going to happen here. Eric, yo, we got we got lots of stuff going on. We got the terrorist terrorisming. We got the business businessing. Yo, I kicked those crackers ass, man. Yo, I'm as unbelievable. What is He must be high. He must be on narcotics. Uh, he must be on the marijuana. Remember, I, I, this is, he said he was going to smoke. He said he was going to smoke. He gave Stephen Colbert a joint on TV. Let's let's smoke it after the show. I got to hear that one more time. I got to hear that one again, please. Mr. Mayor, we've come to the end of what was a very eventful 2023, right? <laughs> so when you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it, and it's tough to do, in one word, what would that word be? And tell me why. Uh, New York. Uh, this is a place where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center to a, a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. Uh, this <laughs> is a very, very complicated city. And that's why. And you're a very, a very simple man who has no business being made. So, Wow, everything's going on in New York. You know, uptown, downtown, great scene. Yeah, a little bit of terrorism there. A business opening over here, a ribbon cutting, a mass murder over there. Shoplifting forever. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Any more? What, are you, uh, what else are you decorating? 
We decorated the kitchen. And what did you put in the kitchen? We're putting Christmas lights. Christmas. What other rooms did they go in? Any room. Let's put it in the bedroom. We're going to put it in the bedroom. Oops. Honey. Yeah. Annalise, what else are you doing? What else are you doing, honey? Tell that. We are decorating too. And we eat cake today. Kishash's birthday. We ate, I ate a lemon tart. A lemon tart? Yeah. Well, very beautiful, honey. Well, you want to go swimming tomorrow again? Yes. All right, baby. I'll see you guys later, okay? Love you, Dad. Love you. Bye. Bye, bye. Judith. Bye, Annalise. Bye. Say bye, Dad. Bye. Bye. Well, isn't that nice? Isn't that beautiful? Is it legal to record my daughter on those phone calls, by the way? <laughs> I, I I assume so, right? One party consent. I gave it consent. Um, decorating the Christmas tree. She's three, Annalise. And that's my wife, Judith. The, uh, the, uh, the house is looking all good for Christmas. Hey, with Christmas coming, with Christmas coming, and I think it's fabulous. It's uh, awesome what gifts are available to each and every one of us. What is being, what is on the agenda today in the media world? You're trying to call more attention to this. I got to say it. The Pope is confusing the hell out of me. I'm sorry. And I can't stand it that this has seized the conversation once again. Now, if you listen to this show, you know that I don't just dive into these controversial religious issues. You know, religion only seems to make the news, make most TV shows, radio shows when there's controversy. I think, uh, well, I like to talk about it when there's no controversy. I like to talk about it every day, quite frankly. But I have to talk about this controversy today. I think it's regrettable. I think it's regrettable that the media are blowing up this whole story about the Pope right as we go into Christmas. And we're going into Christmas, and uh, that means, well, we could talk about that for a long time, what it does mean, what it could mean. Um, but no, it's all about the Pope and, uh, this decree, non-decree. I can't figure it out. This message of some type, you know, the, the Vatican, they have lawyers and they go over this stuff and I still can't tell if he's going to bless same sex couples as a union or if he's going to, you know, to each individual member of that union, bless them. I don't know, but it's. Front and center once again, and I've been reviewing footage of the Pope, and here he is at this uh, transgender dance recital, which is weird. Here he is at some other event uh, with all kinds of crazy characters. Can't tell if they're LGBTQ or straight or whatever, but just doesn't look like it's uh, very papal in nature. Now, the Pope can and should go everywhere. One of the greatest images, I think, one of my favorite images of all time as far as photographs go and it just stayed with me. It's from the early 1980s when Pope John Paul II visits his attempted assassin in prison. Uh, what was his name? Mohammed somebody? Remember that guy? I think he's still alive in Turkey. They let him go. He shot the Pope and they let him go. Remember John Paul II? 1981, I think. He was in the Pope Mobile and he was shot and very seriously wounded. And a year or so later, there's an amazing picture of the Pope... And this man who's sitting in a chair and he's really listening to the Pope and forgiveness and counseling. And it shows how nobody is beyond redemption or beyond hope. And I just love that image so much. 
These other images I don't love, and they confuse me. I can, uh, I don't know. I think he's doing it not to, as outreach, but as a gesture of, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm all for blessings for everybody, from attempted murderers to, quite frankly, forgive me, child abusers, to you know somebody who was in a car accident, to somebody who got divorced, to somebody who stole something, everything. We're all sinners. We've all done something. We're all doing things. But to make it a spectacle, and the people I've noticed, especially from the transgender community who have been going to these papal events, they seem to be kind of like those transgender individuals who are going to the White House, there to make a stink, there to make it you know, a spectacle about them. They weren't seeking anything other than to, I don't know, Maybe they were getting off in some way. Maybe there was some perverse thrill. Speaking of perverse thrills, I'm still watching the Dahmer show, (laughs) Jeffrey Dahmer, the monster. And um, it's incredibly enjoyable. It's incredibly weird. I know these people at Big Tech and Netflix, they know how to get us addicted to these shows. Thankfully, I only have a couple more episodes to go because I was watching it at midnight last night. I have no business staying up watching dumb shows at midnight. Jeffrey Dahmer has now been caught. He's talking to his father. They're trying to figure out why did he do all these horrendous things. And then the big thing comes race. It was all about race and racism. The cops were racist because they didn't solve the case sooner. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't think, what? What does racism have to do with cannibalism? Well, all of his victims were black or brown people. Jesse Jackson even shows up. And I'm like, that's not true. And I looked at it, and I watched it from the show, from the show. He's killing white people, too. He's killing white people. His first two victims were white. Then another guy was white. Then the last guy he killed was white. And then they say, well, no, it was racist because it was mostly, I guess, the majority were black and or brown. What does that mean, by the way? Does that mean Hispanic? Black and brown people? What does that mean? Indians are also brown, so. I, but, but what... Black and brown. What does that mean? I mean, not I, white. I think that's what it means. Black and brown. The way Jesse says it as well. Black and brown. And he was the only one who said that for a while. Now people don't really say that. They say people of color. And the wild thing is, watch yourself when you're talking about people of color. Again, most normal people, who whatever you look like, we don't walk around thinking about all this stuff. But the woke left. Oh boy. If you get that phrase wrong, first of all, it's people of color. And Vivek Ramaswamy, I was looking at him on Twitter. And I understand terminology comes in and out of fashion or whatever, right? There is the evolution of language. But it's pretty wild. If you say people of color, you're golden. If you, if you were to say, forgive me, colored people, you are cancelable, right? That is so forbidden. And... It's just a weird thing about society. Everything is weird. All these kind of crazy, unwritten rules. Every society has customs. Every society has, um, you know, a way of doing things, a culture. But our culture has been rewritten so many times, and it's so fast over the past couple of years, nobody can kind of keep up. And so everybody's at risk. Uh, Back to Dahmer for one more minute. I don't see anything racist about Jeffrey Dahmer or the cops, although the cops did blow it. They probably should have helped that kid who was all drunk and they gave him back to Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, that was bad. I don't think it had anything to do with anybody's color. And 
I kept thinking while I'm watching this, well, he was living in a poor neighborhood. I mean, how big a part an apartment can you get? How nice a building can you live in if you're working an entry-level job at a chocolate factory? He was sweeping the floor at a chocolate factory, you're, and he was entry-level. I always, actually, it was my hope, you know, I'm watching that thing. Imagine if he just buckled down and said, you know what? One day I'm going to run this chocolate factory. His life would have been a lot better, and a lot of people would still be alive. But he went all in on these crazy urges that he had. Oh, last word on this. Well, two more things. I don't think he was racist. I think it was these were the people who were near him because he was working that entry-level job, right? It was a poor neighborhood. It might have been disproportionately black. That's the kind of the vibe I'm getting from the from the show. But it's also possible, just saying, I hate it when people say just saying, but just saying, he may have been more attracted to black people than white people. I know guys like that. I know guys... Uh, you know, who have a preference. I know girls who have a preference. I know all that stuff, right? That happens. I know there are black people who prefer white people. I know there. Oh, it happens all the time. People have certain things. That, you have a type, right? People have types. Maybe Jeffrey Dahmer had a type, and it wasn't racist. I mean, it was still evil and, you know, what he did to them, especially the deaf guy. That really kind of broke my heart. The deaf guy was such a nice guy. But I looked it up, and they're downplaying the number of white people he killed. Because there was a white guy he killed at the end, and they made it seem like it was all about black, and it was all about, uh, what, this is a word that Jeffrey Dahmer used in the thing, Chicano. We haven't seen that. I used to see that on government forums. We don't see that anymore. I don't know what that is, but it used to be a thing, and he says it. My heart breaks a little bit for the father, for the mother. I know the father wasn't great, but this show is addicting. And I can't wait for it to be over, but I don't want it to end at the same time. And how is it that we get they get us feeling sorry for the cannibalistic mass murderer? How is it that that happens? Boy, these, these writers are clever. Netflix is uh, a total waste of time. But you can't stop. You can't stop. The best thing to do is to not start, right? Um, can anybody out there name all of the provinces in Ukraine? I'm getting closer. I'm using my little trick, my little memory trick. It's going along just fine. Um, oh, here's Kathy Hochul talking about, <laughs> gosh, Kathy Bucktooth Hochul. Speaking of race, Kathy Hochul wants to uh, explore reparations for people of color. Boy, talk about the government seems to be around to divide people. This is a hot-button, ludicrous issue. It's hot-button, but at the same time, totally self-defeating. It will never help anybody. It is totally impractical, totally wrong. But here it is, this buck-tooth fool. Hey, thanks a lot, Andrew Cuomo. Thanks a lot. Hochul is on you. Number one, you probably shouldn't have quit, actually. And now you gave us this person, who you actually picked. Why? Because she was vapid and silly, and didn't pose a threat to you politically. Now she's trying to rearrange how we live. I, uh, you guys and your number twos. All right, let's listen to Kathy Hochul. The, the, she thinks she's an emperor. She actually carries on like she's some sort of emperor. Listen to this. Now in New York, we like to think we're on the right side of this. Ah! You know, slavery was the product of the South. Ah! The Confederacy. We're proud of the legacy of incredible warriors for justice and liberation and the thousands of New York soldiers who went to fight these battles on the right side of history in the Civil War. Shut up! We're proud. Stop! 
Goodness gracious, she's obnoxious. How did she get elected, whatever the hell she was elected, before she was elected governor? Who is this hick? Who is this nobody? Funny, she doesn't talk about General Grant, the most kick-ass Union soldier there was. I think she's actually about to say, I think she's actually, well, she's going to talk about race. And she already is, but, all right, keep going. Courageous leaders, like Harriet Tubman. I knew it! Stop! God forbid she should mention any of the white people who helped out during the Civil War, who had a small role, a small role, Abraham Lincoln, General Grant, in ending slavery. Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman. I know she was, what did she do anyway? I remember learning about the Underground Railroad and being fascinated by it, but then I realized it was just a metaphor. It wasn't really an Underground Railroad. All right, sorry. I will stop. Keep going. Ground Railroad buried up in Auburn, New York, to Jorner Truth, Frederick Douglass, an abolitionist like John Brown, whose farm is way in the North Country. We're proud to embrace the deliverance from slavery from the Underground Railroad itself, which ran from New York all the way to Canada, crossing over in Niagara Falls, where I was yesterday. Stop. Did she say Canada? She did. Um, Bucktooth. Bucktooth Kathy Hochul. You know how, how, how good this feels for a wealthy uh, white woman like Kathy Hochul to be uh, a champion of racial justice? This is virtue signaling. It feels so good. I did it once myself. I'll tell you about it. And I felt I was so misguided, but it felt good. It did. I felt superior. I felt so superior to all the white people. I felt superior, quite frankly, to all the people of color. I felt so superior. I was like, wow, I just said something really good. I said, you know, we're just white people talking about this issue. I should point out we have no people of color in this conversation. Damn, take that. Ooh, does that feel good? That's virtue signal, right? It also was actually a power play. It was I felt so secure in my power at the time that I could point out what for other people these days in this culture is now a liability, is now a limiting factor, the color of skin. But I'm so beyond that. But it, I'm playing this game. I'm getting down at the same time. I, it looks like I'm getting down in the weeds, getting down with the people, but I'm really above the people. That's the virtue signal. All right, let's wrap Bucktooth up. And that had the strong support of many good and much goodwill from residents of this state. So we, it's easy for us to pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, like right? you're doing. Did all this. A lot of other states didn't step up. We had the leaders here. We took this on. We can say we're the heroes. We're the ones who fought against slavery. And indeed, many did. We didn't go far enough. What is hard to embrace is the fact that our state also flourished from that slavery. Do you realize somebody actually makes money writing her speeches, writing this crap, so she can live in the governor's mansion, get her hair done, wear nice clothes, make her husband and her family rich, right? Get phony stadiums built for no purpose other than more corporate donations, right? In the meantime, you say this kind of crap satisfies the media. It intimidates Democrats or anybody else thinking about taking her on because she's making inroads in the black community more than, right? What a silly, stupid woman. What a silly, stupid system. Greg Kelly.
You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. And enough about me. What do you think of me? <laughs> Who said that for the first time? Very, very funny. Very, very insightful. Let's try Patrick. He's in Indiana. Hello. Hello. I was going to say that uh, if Donald Trump gets sent to prison and he gets enough votes to become president, he will be president. The only example we have is uh, that Eugene B. Debs was sent to prison in 1920, and he... Uh, he only got a million votes, but he was he was credited with those million. So if he'd if he'd got enough to be president, assumably he would be uh, be able to serve as president. Well, you never know what's going to happen. Number one, I don't think he's going to get sent to jail. I think this uh, January sixth case is about to get punted, and then appeals and that kind of thing. The Biden team they seem to know that uh, this aspect of their strategy. Well, a lot of attention and a lot of focus and a big pain in the neck is ultimately not going to work. They thought they thought indictment number one would knock him out of the race and look at where he is now. So they kind of have this understanding. I'm told from people at the White House that they have. Well, I don't know people at the White House, but I'm told from somebody who really does know people at the White House, this White House. I know one guy at the White House, but I don't put him on the spot to get stuff from him because I like him and whatever. So anyway, uh, they know that uh, these indictments aren't going to stop Trump. They just they just know it. Whether he's not going to be convicted or it's going to be appealed or whatever, uh, so he's going to be free to you know stand for election, and he ain't going to be in jail. Technically speaking, though, yeah, you can be uh, you can be in jail and be president. The only thing you got to do is be uh, what thirty five or up, and a citizen and born here. Thank you, uh, Sandra. Hey, Greg. You know, you were talking about Governor Hochul. Thanks to her, she reinstated that horrible article 2.13. You know, that's about quarantining people. So thanks to her, we have that to worry about. But I was just wondering about RFK. We haven't heard about him lately. I do understand that what he's doing now, he's going from state to state to, you know, to get on the ballot so he can run for the uh, president. So I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Look, he's running as an independent now. uh, And a lot of the stuff that he says I like, but he's still a crazy liberal. Um, So there's a lot of stuff I don't like about Robert F.K., but the vaccine. Yeah, it's interesting. You haven't heard about him anymore. I got to check in on that. Thank you for uh, bringing that up. Barbara, hello. Hi, Greg. I'm hearing you talk about language, and that always catches my ear because the language that people use is use is so important. We know that he who defines the terms wins the argument. And so that's what we're seeing. And we've been seeing for some time the redefinition of terms. And our our young Americans especially are so vulnerable to this because they've come out of our government schools and into our government um, universities where they have learned a new vocabulary and they have learned a new way of talking and communicating that is absurd, that is against the English language, that causes confusion and hurts our ability to solve problems and to deal with each other. We never know what a term may mean. We have to be very careful of everything we say because it may have been redefined overnight and it may then identify us as a victimizer. And so this language thing is such a problem for this country. It causes confusion. The Bible tells us 
God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of order. And we have that no more. Oh, I love that. It says that? He's not a God of confusion? Uh, Yes, it does. All right. We're going to look that up and share it. Barbara, you are and continue to be amazing. Thank you. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.